0: Cosmic Reality Radio is sponsored by Mystical Ware's online store, the world's largest inventory of Shungite products and energy devices, where coupon code SAVE10 will get you 10% off your entire order. Visit us at mysticalwares.com. All orders over $100 will automatically receive a free one-ounce bag of small Shungite nuggets. Welcome to the Metaphysical Martini Show where wit and wisdom come together to bridge the gap between the spirit realm and the physical world. With Ani Avedisian, the Mad Shaman, a production of CosmicReality.com. Hello, everyone. I'm Ani Avedisian. Welcome to Metaphysical Martini. 3 parts spirit, one-part rational mind. Add two drops of optimism, give it all a good hard shake and pour, dress it with the olives of grace and empathy, sit back, sip slowly, and contemplate the wonder of cosmic co-creation. And a hearty hello to everyone out there. Hello, hello, hello. Thanks for joining me for yet another round of cocktails on this week's Metaphysical Martini, the show that tries to sort out what's true, what's woo, and what gets flushed down the loo. In today's, Ireland wants to put people in prison for disagreeing with Big Brother's official narration. Scotland wants to imprison parents for protecting their children from genital mutilation. America's puppet regime continues to arm the world while trying so very hard to disarm Americans. Volcanoes everywhere are engaging in explosive shenanigans. People are worshiping the profane and insisting that child abuse be considered safe and mundane. What an absolutely stark, raving, bonkers apology for a world. As always, my darling, darlings, we try to do this with as much dignity and decorum as can be mustered on any given day. Some days we win, some days we lose, but we are honor bound to give it our best shot. And on this show, the Metaphysical Martini Show, we do love the odd shot now and then. Yes, we do. In fact, she says, salivating and rubbing her hands, let me take a sip of today's drinky poo and see if it's a winner or a sinner. Hold on there, darlings. Don't go away. Sipping is happening. Mm. 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 I tried something a little different today. Um, I'm actually drinking wine today instead of a spirit based cocktail. And I really thought the tannins might be a little too drying today, but this is aged very well for such a for such a young wine, And we'll talk more about that later uh, towards the end of the show. Mm, very nice indeed. If you're joining us for the very first time, a warm welcome to you. Be advised, this show is politically incorrect so as not to erode the intellect. Martini heads, we are the stealth warriors of the matrix. We know how the world works. We know who runs it. We know why and how. And we are dedicated to the destruction of the machinery of deep state ideology. We are committed to the restoration of the American Republic, huzzah, We honour her sacred purpose in this world, and we brook no threat to her sovereignty. We believe in common sense, common decency and common courtesy because we're common folk. Martini heads, we come from all walks of life, but we have this one thing in common. We are sovereign free thinkers. We don't need government propaganda to tell us how to live our lives because we already know how to live our lives. Life is about liberty and the pursuit of happiness. If you're okay with that, welcome aboard. If you're not, well, darlings, proceed as you see fit. But I take no responsibility for any mental anguish you may suffer. So let's do a little test to see if this show is for you. A man has a penis. And a woman has a vagina. Now, if that upsets you, do yourself a favour and press the mute button. For everyone else, let's get on with the show. And I have been asked, is there a new format for 2024? Um, yes and no. So here's the format for 2024. We will always continue with quack, questions, answers and comments, because that's the meat of our show. That's the reason we started Metaphysical Martini, to give voice to the frustrated, spirit-centered patriots out there. We'll always have a silly poem or two. The sillier the better, and the best ones are written by yours truly, of course. Then we have a new segment called Awesome American Civics, which has been very popular. Thank you for all the letters saying how much you enjoy that. If we have time... We will do weird and wacky tidbits from the anus of history, and we will always end with the favorite, my favorite part of the show, the cocktail or alcoholic beverage of the day. Because Darlings, Darlings, metaphysical martini is where the Holy Spirit meets top shelf distilled spirits and what a divine combination that is. So let's start, as we almost always do, with a quack. Questions, answers, and comments. If you would like to share the musings of your magnificent minds with martini heads across the known universe, send your emails to me, Arnie, at com, or via snail mail to Cosmic Arnie, P.O. Box 714, Wilsonville, Oregon, 97070, USA. And please remember to let me know if and how you wish to be identified, or I shall refer to you as omit personal details. So let's shake up the fishbowl of perpetual perplexity and see what pops out. Shakey, shakey, shaky, shaky. Give them all a bit of a shifty. Our first missive is from Judy. Judy is from Denver, Colorado. And Judy writes, Dear Annie." I know most people are having a rough ride, but I am in my glory and enjoying watching the corrupt actors and politicians squirm as they disassociate themselves from the Epstein logs. I chuckle as I see the guilty scream that Trump will hold people accountable for their crimes, up to and including execution by the military. Don't these people realize they are admitting their guilt? They are terrified. Look at them. As for the new French Prime Minister, have you seen the look of sheer terror in his eyes? Ah, the world can sort itself out as it pleases, says Judy. I'll be warm and snug in my cabin drinking hot coffee and singing hallelujah. <laughs> well, I'll be doing the same. Not in your cabin, though. Um, In mine. Thank you, Judy. I must confess... I, too, am having a bit of a giggle at the people, you know, scrambling to disassociate themselves from their past. Oh, no, it wasn't me. I was never at Epstein Island. Oh, no, that picture has been photoshopped. Oh, and, you know, I have to agree about the French PM, Gabrielle Atal. Atal, Atal. That is a familiar name. I should look into that. Little bells are ringing. Anyway, Mr Atal does have that deer in the headlights look about him, doesn't he? Probably because he knows he'll end up being the scapegoat, but you know, what can he do? He's taken the devil's money and now his blood is forfeit. That's how it works when you work with the dark side. He's pretty much toast. But he's French toast, and that's much tastier than plain American toast. So keep drinking your coffee, Judy, because the show has only just begun. Now, I've had quite a few letters and emails from people this week and in previous weeks talking about mental health issues, in particular about toxic relationships how horribly people are treating one another today. So, you know, perhaps I can bundle up those letters and cover the subject in greater depth than I normally would on this show. As I read your concerns, the majority revolve around behavior that we would call narcissistic um, and gaslighting. And they're two separate things, although there is, you know, bleed over. So let's tackle that right now. And, and this is for all the people who wrote in about the toxic relationships and uh, how do I deal with this and why has the world gone mad and all of that stuff. So where shall I begin? Um, fear does strange things to human beings. That's where all this dysfunctional behavior stems from, by the way. Fear and fear is the result of a mind that is not aligned with its true nature and its highest good. It's an illusion that we buy into far too easily, and it's the illusion that stunts our spiritual growth, because fear freezes people in place, and it puts people in a constant state of threat perception. Now, that, in turn feeds what we call the false ego, the part of us that is programmed to obey the television and not follow our divinely installed moral compass. So in my opinion, you either believe you are a cosmic creation, unlimited, glorious, eternal, or you don't. And if you don't, if you don't own your cosmic nature, You will always fall prey to mind manipulation and mind manipulation is very fashionable lately in my opinion humans are not supposed to have anxiety about simply being alive it's supposed to be an exciting adventure you know life woohoo the vibration of fear is not what we think it is so let me see if i can explain this even though i've been tasting wine All afternoon, Um, let me see if I can explain this in a sensible way. Being frozen in place serves no purpose. You freeze, you can't move. When you can't move, you are a target. You are a victim. And a victim mentality, as we have discussed so many times on this show, is something we should avoid cultivating at all costs. The vibration that we call fear was originally designed as a survival aid, a heightened state of awareness. So caveman goes for a walk, going for a walk, caveman, right? Beginning of human life on this planet, or as far as we know, he sees a giant beast looking at him. And in that moment, caveman has to make a decision pertinent to his survival. His adrenals kick in, his heart races, and he might sweat a bit, but while his heart races, things around him seem to be slowing down, not speeding up, and his senses are sharp, they are heightened. He makes the decision to outrun the beast, and he makes it safely back to his cave, and he pants, (sighs) he regulates his breathing, and when he's all settled, And his breathing and his aura are settled, he can tell his caveman homies what happened. If he chose to freeze in fear instead of running home, he'd be dead. It's important that we understand this because we have no reason to be afraid of anything. Our original divine software it was designed to help us make sensible decisions when a threat was perceived when the spirit inhabits the human the mind is aligned with spirit and the mind guides the body fear has no place in an aligned being because it has nowhere to land nowhere to take root and yet (laughs) and yet We live on a planet populated by feeble-minded, fearful people who do and say hateful things. And this is because they hate themselves. They won't accept this, of course, because people who hate themselves are too frightened to do any internal work. They are too frightened to look at themselves. And if you can't have a functional relationship with your own self, every relationship you have with others will be dysfunctional. That's the root of it all. Fear of exploring the game of life, fear of making a mistake, fear of being disenfranchised, fear of being disliked, fear of being ridiculed, fear of being held accountable, fear of fear and ultimately fear of your own magnificent cosmic nature. What a waste of an incarnation and billions of toxic relationships feeding the beast instead of expanding divine consciousness. So we have billions of people walking around not being themselves, acting out some other version of themselves because they feel that version of themselves can better protect them from this big bad world that we have co-created. And I can't even begin to tell you how messed up that sounds to a sane and centered mind. So no wonder we have so many mental health issues, because people are afraid to be themselves. They have abdicated their God-given sovereignty. How bizarre, how terribly odd to be disassociated from one's own self. Today, I'm going to address the conditions we call narcissism and gaslighting, because your letters reflect those behaviours. Letters like, dear Arnie, my husband is a toxic narcissist. Dear Arnie, my boyfriend swept me off my feet, but once we moved in together, his personality changed. Dear Arnie, my wife belittles me at every opportunity. Dear Arnie, dear Arnie, dear Arnie. So let's have a little 101 level chat about these conditions, shall we? There is a difference between narcissism and gaslighting. A narcissist pretty much replaces their own true self with an alternate persona. And they tend to be highly conceited, totally self-absorbed, and a real pain in the ass. A gaslighter, in my opinion, is a much darker affair. Gaslighting is a form of persistent manipulation. It is a form of brainwashing that has one goal, to make the victim doubt themselves. If you want a primo example of this watch the movie gaslighting by alfred hitchcock because you know that's where the term came from it was uh, 1938 chap called patrick hamilton he wrote a play known in america as angel street later on the play was made into a movie by that king of suspense alfred hitchcock and the movie was titled gaslight and the main plot is that a manipulative husband tries to make his wife think she's losing her mind by making subtle changes in the environment, including slowly and steadily dimming the flame on a gas lamp. And he disrupts her environment in many ways, also abuses her and controls her by cutting her off from her family and friends. I recommend that you see that movie. It's a very difficult movie to watch to be honest, because we hate to see people treating each other like shit. But um, if you want to know what gaslighting is all about, watch the movie Gaslight. So, okay, regrouping. We can say that narcissists do what they do to boost their non-existent self-worth. And gaslighters do what they do to increase their dominion and control. Because narcissists are out of touch with their present reality, they're not mindful, not in the now, and certainly not present, everything they promise to do is pushed out to a date somewhere in the future. And psychologists call this future faking. And this applies to all relationships, intimate, personal, professional, government, the people, whatever. Oh, yes, I care about you, darling, they would say. And we're going to do all these marvelous things together, and I will make your life a dream come true. But they never carry out those promises. It's never the right time, or the circumstances aren't quite right. They'll say, Oh, sweetheart, I'm going to do it all, but we have other concerns to attend to first. And again, you can apply this to any type of relationship. Your partner can promise you the moon and the stars. But when it comes time to deliver, the date has been pushed out because something else has to happen first. But don't worry, because they've now upgraded their original promise to an even grander promise. And oh boy, you'll be so happy when we get this done. Except, of course, you see, it never will get done. The government does this constantly to we the people. Oh, just pay one more tax and we can fix the potholes. Just pay one more tax, and we can fix the holes in the atmosphere that we put there in the first place. Just pay more tax, and we will fix the infrastructure. But it won't get done, because the money is being laundered out of the country and into the pockets of the compromised and the corrupt. And an example in the corporate world, If you can just work another 20 hours of unpaid overtime for another month or two or three, we will get the funds to hire an assistant for your department. It's all, you know, different scenarios and all, but it's all the same story. Now, here's the thing, though. Not every weak willed person not fulfilling their promises is a narcissist. Not every broken promise is a deliberate lie. We have to look for consistency. If it's always too good to be true and it never happens, but something even grander is promised, well, you know, if that's a pattern, that's narcissism. They promise you everything under the sun in the future because they want something from you in the now. So if you're dating and you recognize this as a pattern, consistent pattern, get out of the relationship right away You see, you won't be able to change them because they don't know who they are. The narcissist persona is calling the shots, and that persona doesn't think it has a problem. And they will never fulfill any of the promises, but will do everything they can to convince you that they will. They will pretend to be invested in the relationship. They will find your weakness and they will feed it. You might ask, um, since the behavior is obviously a red flag and easy to spot, why do people fall for it? Oh, darlings, look around you. You know, I mean, they will hook you and they will keep sharpening the hook. Because if someone is desperate for a relationship, so desperate that they're willing to be abused for the sake of not being alone. Well, there we go. A narcissist will pick up on that and feed the very weakest part of you. Someone once described narcissism as insecurity coupled with callousness. I like that. That about sums it up. Now, some people are born hot-wired for dysfunction. I'll understand that. I do. I get that. But it can be overcome. And some people, most people don't have the emotional maturity to overcome trauma or early childhood experiences. There are many forms of abuse. If you praise your child too much and not correct his or her mistakes, that's abuse. And many narcissists are men, and sometimes women, who have never been guided properly by parents or guardians. They feel they can do no wrong, and then they go out into the big bad world and cannot cope because they're not taught coping mechanisms, accountability, responsibility. Now, of course, genetics can play a part, as can cultural mores and all of that. The question we ask ourselves is, do narcissists know what they're doing? I think some do, and I think some don't. So NPD, narcissistic personality disorder, is officially a thing. And it's studied and it's discussed, but in my opinion, most narcissists wouldn't get help, even if they recognized they had a problem. So, again, if you are in any kind of relationship with a narcissist, get out immediately. You can't fix them. Living with someone you can never trust, someone who will never be accountable even when confronted, someone who will never apologize unless it serves them in the short term, that's not functional, that's not healthy. So, honor your boundaries. Honour your sovereign self. Honour your intuition. Don't hang out with someone who dismisses your needs, someone for whom you are just an option until something better comes along. Narcissists have serious self-identity issues. They're unable to recognise their own faults and they have no empathy and no capacity for intimacy. How could they, since intimacy also means into me see but they're playing a character they have no idea who the real me is so how could you get a glimpse of that and honestly how can someone with no capacity for empathy make a good partner so let's move on to gaslighting another dysfunction made popular by weak-willed people with a distorted sense of self so gaslighting is nasty It's an emotional abuse, pure and simple, making the victim doubt their perceptions and their sanity, making them question their judgments, their thought processes, their reality, even their memories. This is done for dominion, for control, to make the victim dependent on the gaslighter. A gaslighter will convince the victim that they are to blame for the terrible things that are being done to them. And this is done slowly over an extended period of time, like the frog in the slow boiling water. And once the gas lighted has figured it out, um, the water's too hot and it's generally too late. Damage has been done. So gaslighters tend to be habitual pathological liars. And they do exhibit narcissistic tendencies. They don't have any accountability. They don't back down from their stories Even if you shove the proof in their faces, they will still deny it and convince you that you made it up, that you are the liar, rather like the current puppet administration does. And even though it's an obvious lie and a blatant distortion, some gaslighters are very convincing, and they can make you second guess yourself. They will spread rumors about you, pretending to be worried about you. While telling your friends how unstable you are, how crazy you are, and how your behavior has changed recently, it is a very deep and dark dysfunction. And they will also lie to you about what others have said about you. So you confront them, and they will do whatever they can to distract you. They may answer your question with another question instead of addressing the issue. And they do that to break your train of thought in the same way as television does with breaking news. And they will minimize your thoughts and your feelings because this gives them power over you. They're also very good at playing the shift the blame game. No matter what the conversation, it's always your fault. Because they will never ever ever admit any wrongdoing and if their chosen victim has a poor sense of self and therefore needs validation from another person from outside they will end up feeling unheard and unimportant and the people who feel unheard and unimportant aren't very good at moving away from dysfunctional relationships even if it's the dysfunctional relationship that is causing the dysfunction in the first place People, we're all seriously messed up on this planet, really. No matter what words the gaslighter uses, even if on the odd occasion the words appear kind and loving, you can be sure they're not authentic. All they want is for you to stop calling them on their abuse. Gaslighters are very sick individuals who attract Nasty little parasitic bugs that stick to them and feed off them. And some of these entities are what I call low-level demon-type energies, hive-mind bloodsuckers. So let me recap as best I can. If someone makes a habit of making you doubt your feelings, your perceptions, your memories, your reality, and minimizes your importance, step away, step away, and stay away. If someone makes you feel as though you have to walk on eggshells, step away, step away and stay away. If they want to separate you from your tribe to make you feel alone and powerless, step away, step away and stay away. If anyone makes you feel inadequate to the point of insanity, for heaven's sake, people, step away and stay away. So that's my little mini dissertation there. On some of the mental health issues that we are suffering. I'm not also going to get into the fact that so many people have taken this biological weapon that they call a vaccine that literally builds a chainwork of low level demonic parasites inside of them that is designed to completely cut you off from your divine connection. It just is going to exacerbate all of these mental health issues. Uh, problems. Plus people are crazy right now. They they're upset, they don't know what's going on, they don't know why they don't know, they don't know what they understand, what they don't understand, they don't know who to believe. I don't know who to believe anymore. But you know, I'm centered and I'm sane as far as I know. Look around you and make sure that the people that you're hanging out with are people who support your growth. Never ever be so thirsty for company that you have to drink from a poison cup. Alrighty, righty, I think that needs a kazoo. And a little sip of my drinky-poo. Oh. Mm, mm, mm. That is quite nice, actually, the more it's sort of airing, it's really nice. Kazoo and drinky-poo, they rhyme. I'm gonna to have to write a poem about that. All right, moving on, moving on. Let's take another question. And this is from Lewis in Harrogate, UK, one of my favorite towns. And Lewis says, my question is about 9-11. How could so many people be involved in such an event and not spill the beans? Lewis, that is an excellent question. I hope I have an excellent answer. If the people at the very top control the purse strings and they are organized, efficient and believe in their mission, it doesn't take a great many people to get things done. Even world ordering events like 9-11. The people at the top of the deep state ladder own all the banks. They can pay for the very best mercenaries, and they can pay to have them killed after they've done what they needed to get done. They have money, lots of money. They own most of the CIA, Mossad, MI6, and they have cells in many other government and security agencies across the globe. It takes time to set up the perfect fake invasion because it takes time to set your players in place. Some of the drilling for the Twin Towers explosions was done years ago, with the final drilling for the squibs being done under the guise of air conditioning or elevator shaft repair or some such thing. Nothing you say can convince me that airplanes crashed into the Twin Towers, no matter how much CGI you use. And of course, Building 7 just decided to freefall for for no apparent reason. And there was no airplane crash into the Pentagon either. I know some of you there believe there was. Um, And there were more than just a few anomalies with the supposed crash of, uh, what was it, United Flight 93? Was that the one? So what happened to the passengers on those flights? Well, they're dead. They were murdered by darker factions within their own government. And this was done to instill enough fear so we the people would bend the knee to new world order. And it didn't work. So they came up with the COVID fake vaccinations of death instead. Lewis, if you have enough money and meticulous planning and no regard whatsoever for human life, you can pull it off without too much fuss. You can hire actors to be there on the spot as it happens and have the fake news, the bought and paid for fake media, ask them leading questions to which they have carefully rehearsed answers and the questions are asked by the public and by the small handful of honest media and academia and they were well you gaslight people until they doubt their own sanity and the important people the ones that could really expose you you quietly dispose of because dead men don't talk unless of course you consult a really good medium I know it's difficult for people to imagine the evil that is done unto them in the name of public safety. And I know um, that's a contribution to the cognitive dissonance. But people today are relentlessly distracted from asking all the important questions. And that is dangerous because it means a small handful of people and their small teams of skilled operatives can create great chaos while blowing smoke and twirling mirrors. All they need is unlimited wealth, unlimited influence, lots of body bags and an insatiable lust for greed and power. They are, after all, what they call sociopaths. And they are, by all that is holy, depraved and insane. And that's how it's done. And if we don't call them on it and spill their blood, they will keep doing it. Good question, uh, Lewis. Thank you. And we'll take one more question from the fishbowl of perpetual perplexity. This is from John, who gave his personal details, but I'm not going to share them because John must have written this when he was on his third cocktail. Dear Arnie, you may think yourself clever, but the reality is that you are a self-righteous opinionated little turd who floats upon a sea of truth but never dives deep enough to see the truth. Every word you speak is an insult to my ears. You pollute the airwaves with your insane ideas. John, I'm going to give you a kazoo for that. John, darling, no one gives a fiddler's fart about your opinion. I picked your letter because it amused me. You don't have enough lung capacity for my deep dive, sweetheart. So do us all a favor and stay in the shallows. Clearly, this show is out of your depth. And if you drown out here, no one is going to bother to rescue you. So have a great life, you big twit. And thanks for the laugh break. (laughs) <laughs> I do get letters from that from time to time, and I just, you know, thought I'd share it with you. Okay, what is it time for now? It's time for a little pat of poetry. Darlings, after a hard day's shamaning, I like nothing better than coming home, putting my feet up, having a nice cup of tea or a small drinky poo, and writing really bad but occasionally brilliant non-peer-reviewed poetry, And it is non-peered review because let's be honest, my poems stand alone in a sea of weirdness and have no equal. So I wrote this one last night after a glass of wine and after the Iowa caucus. And it's called, I wrote this poem last night after a glass of wine after the Iowa caucus. So here we go. Huzzah for the Iowa caucus. It showed that we patriots are focused. Let the globalists rattle their sabers And pretend they are such good neighbours. We know the truth. From the west coast to Duluth. We're tossing our red pills like cabers. Huzzah for the counties in red. Many globalist tears will be shed. They call us cattle and vermin. While they ponce around wearing velvet and ermine. But how far will they fall. Since we are no longer enthralled. And we know for sure nothing can stop. What's coming? I might have to work on the ending of that a little bit when I've not had wine, but all I have to say is how lovely it was yesterday out and about to see so many Trump and MAGA hats and sweatshirts in town, despite the weather. And it is icy and dicey right now in my part of the Pacific Northwest. Despite the weather, I saw more American flags mounted on pickups yesterday than I have for a long time. And there's a general air of hopefulness and determination in the air. And we need to keep that up. The cabal is going to throw everything it has against us and we have to actively fight back. Don't step back. Don't step back and hope for the best. This is it. We're in the ring now. Fight for the America you want to live in. And here's a hint. The current puppet administration is determined to dismantle America and make it a region of new world order. One world government enslavement camp. If you haven't figured this out yet turn off the mainstream news, and try a little game called I Think for Myself. Okay, and now I'm going to have a little drop of wine. Mm, lovely. And now, darlings, it's time for awesome American civics. I am a student of American history and of the American Constitution. In no shape or form am I an expert. And my background is more rooted in philosophy and theology than politics. But that's not a problem, because the Constitution is a spiritual document in so much as it prizes sovereignty above all else. I was asked the other day if our government, uh, the current puppet administration, follows the Constitution. (laughs) Well, okay, that's a no. But moving on. Um, Has any modern U.S. government followed the Constitution? So I thought about this for a while, and I asked myself why governments act differently from the original model. And to answer my question, I put on my hiking shoes and I climbed the mountain of books I have on all things American. And I came across this chapter written um, in the book The Practical Guide to the U.S. Constitution by Mr. Tom McHale a book I highly recommend to all constitution newbies. So the following passage is taken directly from his most excellent and amusing book. So here we go. You may have noticed that the government looks and acts a little differently today than what the original rule book implied. So what we're trying to find out here is how, if we stuck to the original constitution, what would be different? Okay, so the government would be smaller, it would be a lot smaller. If the founders knew that the government today would represent 70% of our national workforce, we'd likely already be finished with the second American Revolution. And there would be no career politicians, we wouldn't be listening to daily sound bites from career politicians who have been in office 20 or 30 years. Our first president refused to serve without term limiting himself and Thomas Jefferson wrote, I apprehend that the total abandonment of the principle of rotation in the offices of president and senator will end in abuse, but my confidence is that there will be a long time of virtue and good sense enough in our countrymen to correct abuses. So politics was never meant to be a career we would have fewer laws and rules and, I would say, a lot more accountability. With nothing else better to do, Congress continues to pass new laws and government agency employees spend all their time dreaming up new policies preventing people and entities from doing things. Have you ever known Congress to remove laws from the books in any meaningful way? And what point is the weight of U.S. code going to collapse the Earth's crust? (laughs) The founder's view was the opposite. There was little proactive restriction. But if you did things that negatively affected other people or property, you were held accountable for your actions. What else? Well state governments would be where all the action is. I think we're going to get back to that Um, in a proper America. We're going to get back to that, but continuing on from what Tom is writing here, state governments would be more robust and involved, like the governor of Texas protecting his border because the federal government isn't. So from day one, The high-level plan was for the federal government to worry about a couple of big concepts like national security, international relations, trade, and resolving disputes among the states. The state government was where the action was intended to be as far as the intersection with our daily lives. What else? we'd be more responsible for ourselves and our families. This resonates deeply. I'm sorry, Mr. McHale for editorializing, but I can't help myself. This resonates deeply with us. Tom writes, while certainly related to the idea of fewer rules and more accountability, an underlying assumption in the design of our society was that we'd take care of ourselves and not rely on the government to provide for us or solve our problems. If we want to eat, we work. If we want to retire, we save money. If we want a bigger house or a nicer car, we figure out how to move into a higher paying job. If we want to have children, we assume responsibility for their care. While the founders discussed at great length the idea of temporary welfare for hardship, they assumed that families and churches would shoulder most of the burden of caring for those in need. And the government would step in in a far more limited manner. What else? we'd be hard pressed to find a massive federal agency. Federal agencies would either not exist, huzzah, or would have a very narrow scope. If you think about it, nearly every federal and state agency violates the entire underlying concept of separation of powers. They make rules like a legislature. And while technically their policies are not laws, We must abide by them. They execute those rules just like the executive branch implements and manages laws made by Congress. And they prosecute and adjudicate rule violations on their own. In fact, most federal agencies are no different than federal governments over their own individual fiefdoms. Sure, Congress has authorized the creation and operation of federal agencies. So it's not like they popped out of the pavement of Pennsylvania Avenue like spring tulips. However, one might argue that when the founders created legislative power in Congress, they didn't intend for us to destroy the concept of powers in the process. Now consider the Transportation Security Administration, an organization I personally spit upon, as a classic example. I'm, I'm it's not Tom spitting, it's me. Okay, Carrying on, I'm pretty sure that Congress hasn't made any laws that mandate free gropings each time we choose to travel, and by gropings he means the pat down at the gate. Yet, the TSA manages the day-to-day activities of deciding who gets to sweat on a plane while paying exorbitant rates for lousy sandwiches. And the same TSA agents are the ones who decide if we have violated the rules. If you don't believe me, try bringing your breakfast yoghurt on your next flight. When your Yoplay is confiscated because of national security, try arguing that your forcible starvation is illegal under the Fourth Amendment. (laughs) Then then ask for a speedy trial by your peers to argue there is no federal law against eating yoghurt While in transit to a different state. Or, (laughs) oh, I need a moment, I need a moment and a glass of wine. Hold on, wait. (laughs) Oh, Oh, that's very nice. Mm. You could bring up the Ninth Amendment and argue to the growing audience of enforcement officers that just because the Bill of Rights doesn't expressly say that you have the right to eat yogurt, it doesn't mean the federal government has the power over your breakfast habits. You get the idea. All that goes out the window when dealing with a federal agency. Now, that's admittedly an exaggerated example, although you will almost certainly end up in jail if you refuse to surrender your yogurt. There would be lots of other differences, and these are the more obvious ones. In summary, we may have experienced just a bit of government bloat over the last few years. Now how much has the government grown since the constitution went into action 1792 the total federal government spending was 5.1 million dollars in 2017 it was 4062 trillion that's 4 million million or seven hundred and ninety six thousand four hundred and seventy times more than spent in 1792. Now population has increased by a factor of about 81 from four million to three hundred and twenty four million and, you know, a bit more now. But government spending has increased by a factor of seven hundred and ninety six thousand four hundred and seventy. That is big government. Big. And if you ask, how is the constitution relevant today? The answer is in the first line of the Declaration of Independence. We, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this constitution for the United States of America. And therein lies the answer, stated as the ultimate goal of all the fighting, brainstorming, debate and contemplation over the Constitution. The whole point is to create a better society that secures the blessings of liberty for all of us. Liberty represents an opportunity to do what we choose, providing it doesn't infringe on the liberty of others. The debate between liberty, society, and voluntary forfeiture of rights will probably never end. Perhaps that's one of the reasons that the founders included a way for us to change the Constitution itself. If we, as a society, choose to forfeit additional layers of our natural right for the benefit of all, then we can make it official by amending the Constitution. And this to me, and this is not Tom speaking, this is me, Um, We will never surrender our rights and we will never give the government the right to infringe upon those rights. And thank God, making amendments is a long, tedious and almost impossible task. But if you read the Constitution and really read it from a spirit-centered point of view, you can see that there's been a lot of, you think it's ambiguity, but there's a lot of room there. But it's unmistakably rooted in sovereignty. So, finally, both Tom and I, who I've never met and um, probably thinks I'm a bit of an idiot, we both encourage you to take an interest in this great country of ours. Take some time to examine the original texts of the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and the later amendments. And if you buy Tom McHale's book, The Practical Guide to the U.S. Constitution, he very kindly includes those texts in his book. I would really love it if, you know, those of you who are interested, genuinely interested in making America gorgeous again and restoring the Republic would have little meetings with your friends, with your tribes, with your family, perhaps in the local library or the local cafe or even your local tavern or pub. And if we're going to reclaim this country from the cabal the establishment, the Illuminati, whatever you want to call um, the progeny of the reptilians, the dark ones that came down here, we're going to have to understand our constitution. We're going to have to know our history. And that's going to take a little bit of time and a little bit of effort. So let's start now. Why don't we all start having constitution coffee cups, uh, coffee clubs, coffee and pie? What could be more American? So get on it, people, and start your Constitution coffee clubs. Before we finish up, um, you know, I've been doing a lot more internal searching lately, drinking a lot less alcohol, eating a lot less, and cleaning up my act. Um, I found this lovely little poem, very short, about going to the kitchen. And it's written by Ganilla Norris. Um, It's called Going to the Kitchen. And I found this in a book called Spiritual Literacy by Frederick and Mary Ann Broussat, B-R-U-S-S-A-T. A lovely little book, a compilation of all sorts of spiritual writings. And this one is about going to the kitchen. So from the constitution, we're going to the kitchen. The kitchen is alchemical, a place where we cook, Actually and spiritually, we come to it for nourishment and ease. We come to it as to center the heart of the house, the heart of dwelling. In the kitchen, we are one, linked by hunger, actual hunger, and spiritual hunger. We go to the kitchen to be nourished and revealed. It is a holy place. And I'm going to add a little something by um, Thich Nhat Hanh about washing your hands. If you look deeply into the palm of your hand, you will see your parents and all generations of your ancestors. All of them are alive in this moment. Each is present in your body. You are the continuation of each of these people. So we're living in a time where the cabal wants to separate us from our history, separate us from our ancestry, our culture, our roots. We are living in a time where we are being told we have to isolate from each other. You know, where masks, separate from each other all of the stuff that they tried that were they were quite successful with. But now we're waking up. You know, we're living at this time where they want us all in 15-minute cities, and they want us all to be these little internalized units. They're trying to tell us that the age of the human is over, that it's all going to be AI from now on, that there's nothing that human beings can contribute to the planet. It's over, darlings. Allow yourselves to be transhumanized and and eventually post-humanized. And you can see that they're encouraging people to blur the lines between um, profanity, depravity and morality. Why else would anybody want to say that it's okay for the three year old to have gender mutilation surgery or encourage children to learn to masturbate when they're little kids? And they shouldn't, you know, when a kid is that young, all they need to know is that, you know, little girls have cooties or little boys have cooties. We don't want to be talking about that sort of thing, but they're encouraging this depraved sexuality so that, you know, anything goes and you have absolutely no boundaries, no moral compass, nothing. This is all part of a greater agenda to actually eliminate mankind. And when I said this even a, a year ago, people thought, God, she's mad. I think a great many of you now have realized that I'm very far from mad. I'm somebody who was not an important person, but I spent many years working for government agencies um, and they weren't good places to work. And I didn't work necessarily. I say some were benevolent. Most were malevolent. I'm somebody who knows the agenda firsthand. And I'm very happy that it's come to this ridiculous, chaotic place where we wake up and we go, what the hell today? Because that's what it's going to take to wake people up, I guess. That's what it's going to take for all the pieces to fall into place. And it's coming to everybody's front door. No one does anything for anybody else, do they? It's if it comes to your front door, that's when you're going to do something about it. So please make no mistake. Let's go back to simplicity. Internal work, taking a look in the mirror and going in a world gone mad. What am I doing here? Who am I? What is my purpose? I'm not just some random AI generated thing. I'm not an NPC, a non-playing character. I'm somebody who writes my own story. I came down to Earth, because heaven's lovely, why would you come down to Earth? Unless you thought of it as a cosmic space adventure, something that you would really enjoy. And we came down at a time, a pivotal time where we can all make a difference. We're never going to have an incarnation like this again, going from upper third into a fourth dimension, going into, I mean, this is like massive, that thin veneer of civilization. It's cracked open and all the pustules and the guts and the gore and the filth, it's all popping out. And we saw that we built our civilization on lies and filth. Well, that had to happen because we've got to clear all that away and we're going to make a much better world for all of us and this time around it's not about putting a band-aid on it this time it's major surgery clean it all up sew it up put it away we are building on foundations of equity spirit censored common sense spirit centered common sense Mm. my darlings are we coming near the end we are Oh, my God, that's it for today. Wait, don't go away, because I have not finished my drink. Hold on. Mm. Lucky I didn't pour myself a big one today. I have now finished my drink, and that always means the end of the show. I hope you enjoyed listening in as much as I enjoyed recording it, because I had a blast. And a big thanks, as always, to Mystical Wares in Mount Vernon, Washington, for making intergalactic distribution of this show possible. If you can't make it to their bricks and mortar location, go to their website without hesitation, mysticalwares.com, online or on location, you'll be sure to give them a standing ovation. And today's real cocktail was actually a glass of wine, a Cabernet Sauvignon, to be exact. My partner and I subscribed to a BBC Maestro series of classes on various subjects, and one of them was on wine, and it was excellent. And now we are newly minted wine lovers, and we decided to go on a mission to find a ready-to-drink Cabernet for under $20. And we chose Flat Top Hills Cabernet Sauvignon 2017. It's a California wine. It's part of the Mondavi winemaking family. And I have to say, even though it's what, five years old, it's quite soft, strawberry, jasmine, violet, listen to me sounding like a wine expert, but it's lovely, it's a lovely rich flavor Um, and it's under 20 bucks. It's fruity, it's spicy, it's got berry, it's just, I want another glass, it's delicious and it's lovely with hamburgers. Now, Remember, folks, alcoholic beverages are great if they are an occasional treat. If you use top shelf ingredients and take the art of mixology and wine pairing seriously, one drink is all you need. I am Oni, mad as the day is long, Averdiscian, sharing my brilliance and my bullshit with you all, one podcast at a time. Metaphysical Martini is a production of Cosmic Reality Radio. Mwah, 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 to whom we are most grateful. Mwah, 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 mwah. Until we meet again, my darlings, I'm a little bit tiddly. Do whatever you can to help make America gorgeous again. And it all starts by letting the spirit inhabit the human. You have been listening to The Metaphysical Martini with Annie Alphardisian, The Mad Shaman, a production of CosmicReality.com.